This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello and welcome to a special Thanksgiving episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Unfortunately, I am a workaholic, unfortunately for my family and everybody else that I have to get these things in and I need to talk NBA on Thanksgiving because it's going to be a lot of football today, but I really would rather talk about the NBA because there's a lot of NBA stuff going on and I could not think of anyone better than Nikias Duncan, who is making his Chase Most Podcast debut on a holiday. Nikias, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well, man. How about yourself? I'm sick, so I've been gargling salt water and trying to find some honey. Um, so I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. I don't know how many fish oil pills you should take once you're starting <laughs> to catch a cold, but I've taken too many, and um, that's that's going to be fun for the rest of the day, I'm sure. But uh, outside of that, um, no complaints, no complaints. Um, are you a big Thanksgiving food person? Uh, I am. Love it. Okay. I'm not. Like, if I could... Um, just scrap the menu from Thanksgiving, I would, and I would start over. Like, I think what we need to do is we overthink it, folks. Um, one of my favorite meals for any holiday is my grandmother's lasagna that she does on Christmas Eve. That is that is the real stuff. I would rather just, like, what if we all just got a bunch of wings? Like, get some <laughs> wings, just get some rice, just, um, I don't know. I just I, I think we're overthinking it. Some burgers. I would rather have some red meat. How about some steak? Some fish? We could do some salmon. This Let's sounds do anything like a, other than turkey and everything else that we're doing. This sounds like a holiday tailgate and it's not a bad idea. Yes, that's what I want. That's a perfect <laughs> example. I would rather every holiday just be tailgate food. That would be so much better. Yes. Uh, I will say I have not heard the take before. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I completely agree, but I I get it. I do get abused. Okay. What is the best thing that you're cooking today? Oh, man. I am staying clear of the food. I am very oh. much on cleanup. Yeah, I am on cleanup duty. Well, okay. uh, yeah, my grandmother is the goat, so I, I let her do her thing and I help what I can. What is the best thing she cooks? Uh, I would probably say her corn is tremendous. Uh, I don't like asking a parent to pick their favorite child. It's not really fair to the rest of the food that she makes. You pick one. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't think I've had corn in forever. Not a big corn guy, so I was not expecting that answer. Uh, oh, man, you're missing out. <laughs> missing out on some corn? Need to add corn back into my diet? Maybe Maybe you're right. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of NBA stuff that I... Um, I wanted to jump on here. And you're most familiar with the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat are playing very good basketball. They're shuffling the starting lineup a little bit. Uh, they're getting a lot out of a lot of different guys. Um, I guess 
I'm curious from your perspective, what has been the biggest change to kind of get them out of that? It wasn't that they've been bad, but they've been in that 7-8 range in the East the last couple of years, that no man's land. But now, obviously, Jimmy Butler helps, but I think there's more to it as to why they're a top-four team in the East. What have you seen this year that's different than in years past? Um, I think the influx of shooting is really what's changed the offense, and the offense is really what's hindered the Miami Heat from being more of a, a middle-tier Eastern Conference team or a pseudo-contender like they have been this year. They just haven't been able to consistently um, knock down over shots. They've always been in the top five or so with generating corner threes. They get above the break threes. Um, they run some decent stuff in the half court, but they just haven't been able to knock down shots. Now you have the emergence of Duncan Robinson, who's shooting 40% from three on high volume. You have Tyler Hero in there, who's starting to flirt with 40% from three. Kendrick Nunn has been a great shooter. Kelly Olenek has found his stroke. He's shooting around 40% from three. So when you add that, it opens up the offense that has already been generating good looks over the last couple of years. When you add a guy like Jimmy Butler, who puts strain on defense, he opens, he just has a natural gravity to him because he's such a good driver. Um, and that's that combined with there being more space on the floor is why Jimmy's averaging a career high in assists this year. So the offense is scoring a little better, and a very exposed to coach defense is always going to be good, and that's kind of been the formula for Miami to be as successful as they've been so far. Do you think they should keep on? Uh, they should keep Dragic around for the remainder of the season. Do you think he's someone like he's accepted his role and he's someone that um, is worthwhile to have around? Uh, this is actually a tough question because before the year I would have been an emphatic no if they fell well not fell high because of the age, but you try to get another wing in there. But he's been very good in the six man role. This so far that he's he's another guy that's shooting very well from three. Um, has had a bit of an off the dribble three to his game now. So it's made him a more effective pick and roll threat. Um, I will say if if a deal opens up for a quality three and D wing for a team that needs a point guard, I'd say you probably should still pull the trigger on that, especially with the emergence of Kendrick Nunn, who has been good this year, but he's probably projects more as like a spark plug six man type score than a traditional point guard. So if there's a wing out there, try to get going out of there for that. Then maybe move Kendrick Nunn to the bench. You bring Justice Winslow, who just got back from his concession. You keep him in the starting lineup, and I think you have more of a natural hierarchy there. But if not, Gorn's been fine. Uh, the community loves him. So I, I don't think that you're going to get rid of him just for the sake of getting rid of him. Is Winslow the long-term answer at the one for them? Um, I would like to think so. I think the way that he trying to penetrates the basket, I think is second only to Jimmy Butler. Mm. Uh, he's... He's at worst Miami's second best passer as well, um, a versatile defender. I think he just adds a, such a different dynamic with his size and versatility. The big thing for him is obviously going to be the shot. He's been a 38% three-point shooter over the last two seasons, but this year he just the jumper looks off, and I'm not sure if that's part that's part of him like tinkering with his release to make it quicker. Now he's also missed time, and then he's also trying to figure out the fit with Jimmy Butler and the new pieces. So it's been kind of an odd start to the season for him. But I do lo- do think long term. I mean, he's 23, I believe. Um, he already already affects the game in, both, in multiple areas. I think that he should stick with him. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I I still can't believe he's only 23 years old. I love that he's too. He's a year younger than Kendrick Nunn. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The Malcolm Brogdon type rookie is great. Yeah. Um, shout out to Malcolm Brogdon. He's not going to make a. He's he's not going to be in the pod really. Even though my Pacers love I. I made it before the season. Um, my big thing last year was I thought the Raptors won the title. Feel good about that one. They they won the title. I don't feel as good this year about my Pacers are winning the East. 
um, take before the season. But um, I'm not as concerned as I was as the, the season got underway. 11-6, Brogdon rolling, feeling pretty good. Old Depot not there yet. Only a couple games out of the one team. I'm, I'm not wavering just yet, but um, probably a take I need to... Um, uh, I need to just not talk about on this podcast publicly <laughs> going for it. Um, what have you seen from Jimmy? Is anything different with him this year? Like in from years past, like how does he fitting in Miami? Is there anything Miami has done with him to make him maybe a more efficient, better player as a whole? Uh, I don't even think anything that Miami has done. I think Jimmy has kind of taken the reins and said, okay, I'm going to make sure that I assimilate myself here. I'm going to make sure I empower the guys around me. I'm going to kind of show that I'm a better teammate than the rest showed in Minnesota. Um, he's taking more of a playbacking role than I think anyone has really expected him to. And even Eric Spoelstra just kind of talked about trying to nudge Jimmy to be a little bit more aggressive. And that's where you look a couple of weeks back when Jimmy Butler had the 30-point half against Phoenix. And then you're reminded, oh, right, Miami did break him in to be a legit number one option. And he can do that once he has his mind geared towards that. But um, I think the biggest difference for him is he's, he's always been a good passer. He looks like the passing has gotten a little better. And once you add the spacing that Miami's added this year, it's made him look a little bit better in that regard. Um, he's putting in more effort, more regular season effort defensively than we saw last year. Uh, obviously, part of that was the various things going on in Minnesota. Um, but he, he's been, I think he still leads the NBA in steals right now. He's been fantastic playing the passing lanes. Um, He's 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 really done whatever Miami's asked him to do, and that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, and I'm excited. I want to see what they do because I think Miami is just at 12 and five. They're in an interesting spot. They're getting like it's good that they're getting so much out of their role players, and that like it's very much a team oriented offense. Like if you look at no one's averaging over 20 points a game. They it's very even um, from a scoring standpoint with none, Hero, Winslow, everybody. They're just they're all. Um, kind of. I mean, obviously, Jimmy's averaging 18, but nothing, nothing crazy. Um, so it, it seems pretty sustainable, and it's going to make things more interesting on the trade market because all those guys um, are just playing well uh, this year for Miami. So I think that's good because Miami needs um, more trade chips if you're going to continue building a contender around Jimmy Butler. And um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. Um, I want to bring this up because I. I've gone back and forth on this. I, I mentioned my Pacer stuff, but the Bucks are, um, let me check my notes here. Yeah, beating the shit out of everybody right now. And Giannis is um, otherworldly. Wesley Matthews is shooting the ball really well. He's uh, figuring stuff out there. Um, I We've all panned them, I think, uh, universally for the Brogdon stuff and um, how that was all going to work out. As of right now, it's not really hurting them. Do you think we overthought the Bucks not getting out of the East and then Giannis just not getting to another level where it's just like, no, they're going to be fine. They have Giannis Antetokounmpo in his prime. They're going to be okay. Um, I will say the jury is still out on that. I think Giannis plus shooters is a formula for 55 wins as long as you're relatively healthy. And Giannis mm. has been healthy. Um, obviously, they've missed Chris Middleton. Eric Bledsoe's been hurt for a little bit. They've had a lot of little minor stuff. But Giannis is such a world beater. He kind of guarantees that you're going to be like a top ten and top a top ten offense and defense. So yep. I think the regular and they're top five right now in both categories, by the way. Yeah. So I think that that was always going to be the case if Giannis stayed up, right? Because he's just that much of a freak of nature. And now he's starting to comfortably take threes. Obviously, he isn't the most efficient guy yet. But you saw the other night against Utah, he's three of eight. Once he gets going then there really isn't an answer for him because you can't play off of 
he can't play 10 feet off of him, and if you play five feet up on him, then he's going to bully you like he did Vince Carter last night. So there really isn't a good answer for Giannis right now, and he's kind of spearheaded the whole thing. It's interesting that they're number two in defensive rebounding. I thought that that would be an issue for them this year, their rebounding stuff, and they're fine. And also, Dante DiVincenzo is a important part of the rotation now he's getting 20 minutes a night george hill's injured um bledsoe still can't shoot i just middleton's been out like you i just want to see more i i do wonder what they have to do in a couple months to really get them to that point where you're like oh yeah they could maybe beat one of the la teams in the finals you never know like i think i don't know is there anyone in the east right now that you've seen through 20 games almost that you're like Oh, Giannis is going to have problems with them in the seven-game series. Um. Well, to be completely transparent, Philadelphia was my pick to win the whole thing this year. So I oh. would think, if there's, if there, yeah, there's going to be a team that knocks Milwaukee out. I think it's going to be Philadelphia just because they have so much size, and obviously they still have some shooting things to sort out and some um, some late-game half-court stuff to sort out. But I mean, just that much size. You could go into a series and say, "All right, Giannis may get his, but he's going to have to go through Ben Simmons and also Al Horford and also finish over Joel Embiid and also worry about Josh Richardson flying from the weak side." It's, I mean, it's just a lot to deal with over the course of the series. And Milwaukee, Chris Middleton would have to come up huge in that series. And we've seen him have big series before, like he did in Boston a couple of years ago. But if he's not on, or if the Bucks don't make a trade for a, a true number two piece, then I think that could be problematic in a series against Philadelphia. I was never on the Philly as a contender thing. I I, I still I, I I'm not gonna lie. I'm enjoying them struggling. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying this. I I love Joel Embiid. I don't like Joel Embiid getting zero points. I still don't understand how that happened. Like I want to do like a full deep dive. Did you watch enough in that game to figure out how Joel Embiid doesn't score any points in a professional basketball game in 2019? I I did not. But I, off the top of my head, I would just say that Mark, Mark Gasol has defended him well over the last couple of years, so I would assume that he had a big part in that. But Toronto has shut down a lot of stars this year. Their defense has been fantastic. But zero. Zero. Like, that's just I, – I understand shutting down and him going, like, 6 for 22 and, like, 12 points. Not zero. Yeah, the, him missing all the free throws. I mean, it, it had it gotten in his head at that point. Yeah. Well, the Sixers, they're on my notes here. And now that I know that you're very high on them and you were very high on them coming into the season, um, are you at all concerned about the Tobias stuff? Because the the case for the Sixers, I think, largely had to do with what you thought Tobias could be in, in Jimmy Butler's role. And right. Tobias is struggling. Like, he's just not shooting well. But then people, there was the idea that, like, look, did you watch L.A. Tobias last year to start the season? Like, that's what the the goal is can he be that in philly um early returns maybe not um <laughs> i i would be a little concerned if you're on the tobias can be jimmy island but that's just not where i've ever been but you know maybe maybe um what what do you think is going on with tobias is he getting good looks and he's just missing them or it, like where it's just gonna go back to the mean and he's gonna start hitting some of those shots or do you think there is real problems with Tobias being your number one option on the wing. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think he has missed some good looks. Like obviously he's not going to be like a twenty-eight or twenty-nine percent three-point shooter wherever he's at right now. Um, I do think it also has to deal with Philadelphia still trying to figure out their starting lineup is bludgeoning teams right now, and they're still trying to work out the Kings' offense. 
Tobias Harris has always kind of been like a an high elbow in type guy that can also shoot more so than an outside in guy. So I think trying to make that transition with so much size around him and teams trying to cramp the paint anyway, I think that's made it a little bit tough and it's going to be an adjustment period for him because he already he was trying to settle into a different role last year and now he's getting pushed into more of a role. Um, I do think ultimately his spacing his shooting is going to come around. That spacing is going to help the offense a little bit more than Jimmy Butler did last year cause, just because he isn't that kind of a shooter. So I'm not entirely concerned about that right now. The fact that they're still getting wins and they're still the starting lineup itself has been one of the best in the league without them figuring it out yet. It shouldn't really scare teams in the East. Yeah, and it's not like Tobias is like going to be the epicenter of all this stuff because Joel Embiid still leads the team in usage and it's not really close. Tobias only has a 22% usage percentage at this point. Uh, Joel, for comparison's sake, is 32%. So mm-hmm. it's very clear who this offense is run through. Um, and also, Joel Embiid, still a very good defender. Uh, the best uh, defensive rating uh, in the starters at 99. And him and Horford have just, like you said, that starting five is bludgeoning teams. But they're not bludgeoning teams like the starting five in phoenix sir who still last time i checked had of all five-man lineups per nba.com that have played 100 minutes together at least the phoenix suns have the number one offensive rating at like 121 with dario saric aaron baines um ricky rubio devin booker and kelly Oubre. i i can't get over that like it's it's insane to me that that's the number one offensive rating of any five-man unit but um that's where we're at even though they're they're back to playing 500 basketball at this point yeah i, I just need aaron baines to make the all-star team it, I, I don't he doesn't deserve it. it it's not gonna happen but i, I just need it for the twitter games because aaron baines mm. is legit, he's legit been fantastic on both ends this year um they obviously hasn't been better than like someone like cat but i think just he has impacted what the Suns have done on both ends at a level that I did not anticipate at all. It is hilarious that Boston just kind of gave him up for no reason. Well, no, I think the Boston said, what was it? There was part of that deal where they couldn't get somebody without packaging him. Was it Kemba that they couldn't absorb? There was something they couldn't absorb with picking up Aaron Baines' option or something or re-signing. There was, I remember listening on a podcast a couple of days ago about this, and I, I forgot what the actual contract semantics were wasn't there something weird with like danny ainge and all them were like no we wanted to, they didn't want to lose baines but there was some weird contract thing uh you know that might be it but also danny ainge is a is a serial hey we could have done this but type guy so i, I really yeah. don't know how much <laughs> ready to put well, i mean i think it's clear they love baines like they started him stevens loved him like you can tell they definitely loved having aaron baines around and it like if mm-hmm. i had to guess they would much rather have aaron baines than daniel tice at their starting five spot. Like, and they were running canner out there. Like I, I could understand the Bane stuff where it's like, yeah, but they, cause I think it was money. Cause I mean, you're extending Jalen, you're extending, you, you're bringing in Kemba, you're doing this. Like, I, I remember there was something weird there, um, uh, where they just couldn't keep everybody. Um, uh, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could just be holding, um, uh, carrying the water as they say, or, um, Danny ancient company. Um, I was doing a deep dive on uh, the Suns coaching staff, and uh, is Steve Blake? Is this Steve Blake from Maryland on this coaching staff? Is that on, is that is that what's happening here? Oh, that would be hilarious if so. I don't think it is, but it just it's free. I just was looking at something with the Suns, and that just came up. I'm like, wait, is it? Did I miss something? Is he on the coaching staff? Um, I I think the Sun stuff's over. And once Zach Lowe said, like, the, made the comparison of the Kings of last year. 
Or was it two years ago where like they had that hot start and you're like, oh, the Kings. And then they just fell apart. And we're just like, oh, no, you're kind of an average to below average basketball team. And that's kind of where they're at. They're eight and nine as of this recording. Um, Devin Booker's obviously made the leap, but they have a number eight offense in basketball, but not a lot of depth. I still I worry about how you integrate DeAndre Ayton back in. Do you? Keep him off the bench, and I, I can already tell with your Aaron Baines All Star love that you probably would, right? Oh man, if there were no politics involved, I would love that just to let Aaron Baines kind of set the tone defensively and let DeAndre Ayton destroy worlds. But even then, the few games that we saw from DeAndre Ayton this year before the suspension, um, he did look mostly fine defensively. Like you could tell he had made a bit of a leap there. So, honestly, if he just becomes a confident defensive big and, like, a drop coverage and he can kind of use his length to detour shots at the rim, like, he's going to be fine. He's already a world beater offensively. Yeah. I, I don't know about Aiden. I, 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 I go back and forth on him. I just – I'm not a fan of his archetype. He does feel like more of a, a post-up guy, and I just don't really trust those in relation to, like, building a contender. But, yeah. I mean, he's a really good at basketball. So I can understand. I understand why Phoenix is high on him. Yeah, I don't know. I I just I I'm like you, where I'm always very like unless you have Joel Embiid, I would never build my team from the inside out. I would never start with bigs. Everyone outside of the Atlanta Hawks right now has a competent center rotation. Everyone. Mm-hmm. And you can find those guys. You can find the Ren Roaming threes, you can find the pick and pop bigs like they are everywhere those guys are everywhere and you don't need uh elite bigs to to win i mean obviously the lakers are doing some stuff with ad now and we'll have to see how that carries over but the clippers built their team around two wings there if you look at the top of the standings in both conferences most of those teams are built around wings and guards and i would just always start that way and then if you look at that draft with ayton um ayton and bagley's teams uh if the playoffs started today would not be in the playoffs um Mm -hmm. Obviously, Doncic would be in the playoffs, and right. he, we know where he went. And then you have Trey, who I think we can say, I mean, we all know how I feel about the Trey Young trade, but he's still the second best player in that draft. And yeah. they took the Hawks still took the guard um, with more upside, who is just, he, guards just have a bigger impact on winning basketball games long term. They're just, they have the ball in their hands more. They're going to have a higher usage. It's just, Having wings and guards who have a higher ceiling are just always like you should always build around teams that way in five man out basketball now. Like there's just no reason to to go big early. Like the Bagley stuff was bad. Aiden, bad. Just not in the like they're just bad players, but bad in just how you're building your roster construction. Like those are the fourth or fifth pieces, not the first and second. Yeah, understandable. Like you would have to be basically historically great offensively like Carl Anthony Towns or you'd have to be yes. immediately elite two-way talent with Joel Levine. And even then, I've gotten crushed on Twitter for a hot take. I'm just like, you know what, I would, if you're going to build around someone, I feel like Ben Simmons is the guy to do it around, kind of space the floor around him versus trying to fit a team around Joel, even though Joel is a better player right now. But, I, I kind of, yeah, I, I agree with your general statement, like guards and wings. I mean, they get to dictate more of the action because they have the ball more in their hands. And they yeah. penetrate outside in, kind of force defense to rotate, all that good stuff. And with a guy like DeAndre Ayton, you're hoping that he becomes dominant enough as a post threat to draw double teams. Then you have to hope that he's a good enough passer to make them pay with the pass. And 
the NBA is just so much more complex defensively now, and teams are so much faster defensively now. Like it, the margin for error is smaller. Yeah. What did you think about the Timberwolves? Who so Jeff Teague came out, um, got was going to be moving to the bench. Mm-hmm. Jarrett Culver was sliding into the lineup. Um, it was interesting because Teague was the one, by all accounts, and I think it was actually confirmed by Teague or the coaching staff that he requested to move to the bench because so much of the action was being led by Wiggins in the first team anyway that he actually wasn't able to basically be the lead point guard, lead ball handler, where he's just looking at, like, I'm actually going to get more usage running the second unit, so I would rather do that anyway. So I thought that was just a really fascinating look and just speaks to Teague's just uh, just basketball knowledge, just kind of the basketball makeup he is. Um, I like it. And I'm very much like, just because I love Winslow moving to the one in Miami, Wiggins moving to the one in Minnesota. I'm all about this. Yeah, I actually don't want to say too much about this because I'm currently writing on it. Oh, but- Okay. Yeah, I, I will say that I, I like the move. It's big of Jeff T, first and foremost, for mm-hmm. him to come to the coaching staff and be like, you know what, um, let, I feel like this is a better fit. Let me go to the bench. Let me help direct the second unit. Let, let's empower Andrew Wiggins more, especially since he's he's stepping up with the bigger role. And I don't think we've talked nearly enough about the job Ryan Thomas has done this year. He has He's really empowered Cat. He's downsized, surrounding Cat with wings so they can play faster given Cat more room to operate, that in turn has given Andrew Wiggs more time to operate. They're using him better in the half court. Again, I don't want to get into too much detail because I'm writing on it. And I want those sweet clicks. But mm-hmm. he's done a great job of kind of cultivating a culture for everyone to thrive. And I don't know if the Timberwolves are going to make the playoffs this year, but they they look a lot better long-term now because it looks like there's finally a sense of direction. I think they're... I think there's real staying power with Minnesota, especially when you look at what's happened with Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, Phoenix now. Like, I think there's a very good chance just because Cat's been that damn good. Like, I think there's a real possibility they're they're fine. They get that seven or eight seed. I really do. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I do expect like Portland to kind of turn things around at some point once they get healthier. I'm kind of looking at them, um, but. Yeah, you may have a point. I mean, Minnesota has been good this year. The defense has been better than expected, even though they've kind of started to slide as of late. Um, obviously, the suspension kind of had a little bit to do with that. They've had some injuries as well. But, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty high on Minnesota moving forward now. I feel I really like what they're doing there. Yeah, I mean, Wiggins, 35% from three, 25, five and three. Stat line, it's tantalizing. I, I want to believe in Maple Jordan returning. <laughs> what a name. Maple Jordan. I like it. Um, last thing, and then we'll wrap up here so you can get back to some fun Thanksgiving stuff and not talk to me on this podcast um, <laughs> on the holiday. But I it is Thanksgiving, so what are like some storylines, some players, some teams that you're thankful for and also not thankful for because of my cynical predisposition? So I need I need a little bit of both from you. Oh man, um, well, just kind of bounce back. Um, I'm thankful that Andrew Wiggins has finally um, he's finally improving, like he promised mm-hmm. his owner. Uh, that that will remain one of the five funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> <Over this past laughs> 
I will give you this money if you promise to get better. I, I just, I'm glad he's living up to it this year. Um, very thankful for, um, very thankful for Brandon Clark. He's been mm. quite, good in, quite good in Memphis. He has uh, vindicated me a little bit. I was banging the table for Miami to take him, and they got Tyler Hero. Um, I was not a fan of that pick. He's been much better than I expected. So I've been kind of eating crow on that all year, which is funny. It's not like I want him to be bad. But anyway, uh, thanks for Brandon Clark. Memphis is fun. People should watch more Memphis. Um, I just also follow Grizz Film Room, a new account out there, kind of doing some um, – doing some video work on what Memphis is doing on both ends of the floor. I think it's going to be fun to kind of track those guys, so give them a follow. Um, also thankful for LeBron trying on defense because now he's extremely fun. And he's always had a bit of fun because he's, an op- he's one of the best offensive players of all time. But now that he's actually flying around on defense again, he looks, he looks like the best player in the world again. And he's made Laker games much more enjoyable, which is hard to do when you, um, you're on Twitter and you see Laker fans tweeting nonsense. So I'm glad he's making the basketball product enjoyable. Um, I'm not thankful to the basketball guys because there have been a lot of injuries. Um, I miss Zion. I would like to see him dunk and do things. Um, he's been out. Um, there's this big sickness bug going around right now. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of where I'm going to cap it right now. That's a good list. I like it. Um <laughs> I will say I'm very thankful for the Spurs, the Blazers, um, the Pistons imploding to start the season because those are teams with guys that I want to like see what happens when the trade market start when people start sniffing and what rumors pop up because I'm interested to see what DeMar DeRozan's trade value is. I'm interested to see how the Spurs operate for the first time as uh, maybe sellers and just in real trouble. And then Portland, obviously, with the high expectations and their injury issues and what goes on there. I still can't believe Melo got Melo chance last night in Portland. <laughs> That's insane. Good for um, Melo, dude. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, it 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 was wild. And a lot of the stuff he was doing last, I don't know how much that but like, quick off the back, like, he was posting up a a bunch but he was he was quick he was fluid he was finishing at the rim over and over again it was it was very old mellow like it's one of those things where i'm like oh that's probably going to be a one-time thing and then we're just gonna no one's gonna watch the random tuesday night game in minnesota where he goes one for nine and four <laughs> points in 23 minutes but they'll remember that stuff so um that's how rain works i i love i i guess i'm thankful that both la teams are good and that things are working out because it would have just been another bummer if we had a just a, everything imploded in Lakerland, right? Like we, just, yeah. I'm glad that that's all working because I want to see the Lakers in the playoffs. I want to see AD and LeBron thrive. I want to see Kawhi and Paul George thrive. I'm glad those two teams, it, it all worked out. Getting the superstars and integrate them because look. Like in Brooklyn, it's not going great there. Like you never know, like how that kind of stuff's going to work um, when you yeah. integrate multiple superstars into your locker room and just with high expectations and how it affects the coaching staff and everything else. Um, and then I want to get Blake, my man Blake, on a on a good team. So as a lifelong Blake Griffin stand, I'm I'm glad that the, the Pistons are bad because we need to get him out of there. Understandable. Uh, nice Where would you like him to go? Uh, well. If the Heat decide that Jimmy Butler and Justice Winslow don't work, there's a there's a package to be made. I will say yeah. that much. I would like. Oh, and I'm sure Blake would love to be in Miami. Blake seems like a big Miami guy. 
Oh, he would. Oh man, comedy shows every Saturday would be great. And then Blake and Adebayo, Jimmy, Hero. I yeah. like that. A lot of passing, a lot of, a lot of fielding. I, I think there's a fit there if things really go south in Detroit. Unless, if, if you, if I can, I would like to add one thing. I'm not grateful for. Yeah. Um. Um. National NBA coverage. I am mm. not a fan of it. I do not like watching the Lakers. I do not like watching a Lakers Pelican game and hearing Jeff Van Gundy complain about how bad the league is and how bad load management is and all this good stuff. I don't like turning into inside. I don't like turning into TNT games and watching former NBA legends sound like basically Facebook users because they just don't mm. watch basketball and they want to fire out hot takes or talk about anything but the game. I, I would prefer like. Like, let's talk about Luca. Let's talk about what Trey Young is doing. Let's talk about some of these non-LeBron stars. So the casual viewer will know more about them. They'll be more invested. And maybe TV ratings won't be going down. Maybe they'll grow because fans actually know who these good players are and they have a reason to care about them. Hmm. So that that's all I had on my soapbox right there. I like it. I like it. I agree. If you're like, yeah, I, I agree with all of that. All right, Nikaias, what can we uh, check out from you? I know you got something in the works on Wiggins, um, but uh, what can we look out from you on Twitter and anywhere else uh, this week and beyond? Oh, uh, yeah. So you can um, obviously follow me on Twitter at Nikaias NBA, N E K I A S NBA. Very original name. Um, I do have some Andrew Wiggins words coming out. Um, check my account every Monday. For Five Reasons Sports, it's a Miami-based publication. I am doing um, heat work there. Um, also look out for some stuff on Wendell Carter. That should be coming pretty soon on Bleacher Report. Also working on some Trey Young words. That should also drop a Bleacher Report um, over the next couple of weeks or so. So stay tuned for that. Um, otherwise, just follow my tweets for my fantastic puns, some video threats, general foolishness, all that good stuff. All right, do it. This has been great. I appreciate uh, you making the time. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.